Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bad End Podcast. This is episode 61. I'm Katie McCarthy from US Gamer, one of your co-hosts. I'm joined, as always, by Josh Calixto and Kyle Cookstell, and I did not say what you guys do. So, listeners, <laughs> but you know by now, and you're going to figure it out, and you you know, they, they write yeah. shit, they make shit, can, they do all I'm the shit. I'm very Googleable. I don't know how Google you guys' names are, but I have zero Google doppelgangers, so if you can spell my last name... You can likely find me and all my own dirty internet stuff. I'm surprised list. at how Googleable I am. I guess because I spell Katie weird, C A T Y. It's a strange way to spell it. So when you Google me, it's like it's just me that pops up. That's all you can get. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> I mean, is it probably not? Maybe. I searched Katie McCarthy feet and nothing came up. Ew, so I don't know uh, what the fuck. <laughs> I do not post full body pictures for that reason. I don't want no no crop feet. I have some very small feet. Like I have like size five shoes, so I have weird looking feet. Okay. Well I only wear crocs way too much, Katie. Um, wait, I wanna see we got a lot of pops up if I Google. We got a lot of announcements. Um, so Start I want to get started with that. First off, Kyle's making a video game. I, I keep advertising his game. Wishlist it. It's called Cantata. C-A-N-T-A-T-A. It's on Steam. Um, I currently Bam. have something super exciting in the works. Um, I'm I'm writing the best of uh, the 2010s K-pop list with a couple other Damn. writers for Billboard. Damn, so exciting. Can you can you say Soon. that right now? Um, probably. <laughs> I, I forgot that this episode, I forgot this episode's going live soon. Don't tell them that I told you that, guys. Okay, um, but I'm excited about it's that. On the down low. I mean, what's it's how is that going to be like a secret? You know, why why does it matter if I'm working on it or not? You know. Anyway, Katie, you got any announcements? Is Bad Boy number one by Red Velvet? You'll see. Oh, it better be number one. No, it's on definitely the, the Girls' too? Generation song. I can't. I got oh, a boy. No, it's albums. It's albums. Not songs. Oh, albums. In- the that makes songs it interesting. list already came out. Um, mm. What was number one? I can't tell. Oh, the songs? On the songs? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Wasn't there's a two anyone? There's I Am the Best in like that top five, which I was like, eh, it's not even the best two anyone song, but I'll, I'll let it slide. I mean, it is and, the best. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was no. Red Flavor by Red Velvet. Um, I think anyway, I know that song. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one, man. Um, Red Velvet's good. Okay macro announcements we got some big news we've been talking to you guys about this stuff for a long time now hyping it up we're gonna do one more round of hype because uh but this is like a little bit less nebulous i would say uh so we have a disco elysium podcast coming up it's called the Superculture review and um that is going to be the name of a podcast that we're launching that is essentially going to focus on games that deserve a little bit more coverage, maybe aren't getting the attention that we think that they warrant. And the first series of that podcast is going to be focused on Disco Elysium. So that is going to be called Savoir Faire, a Disco Elysium podcast. So look out for that. Um, it should be hitting store shelves soon. And by store shelves, I mean store shelves. Store, by store shelves, <laughs> Box I mean release. the uh, iTunes uh, library and uh, other places where you can stream podcasts. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, basically, we're just waiting for it to go through the approvals shit, and that will be ready for your ears. We have some amazing, amazing artwork for that. Um, so just oh check it out. We have some great <sighs> conversation. The first episode's only going to be on you know the first like half 
ish of the game about the first third of the game so like a third if you're yeah. concerned about spoilers don't worry about that too much um check it out check it out um and then after that we have we're gonna have a few weeks of a bad end content coming to you one by one by one um so it's gonna be like a week by week cadence so you're gonna have some bad end all up in your ears soon and what's even better is that for these episodes we're going to be talking about the video games of the decade um and what's cool about that is that we're going to have special guests on each episode uh and we will be talking about that and that's going to be happening in tandem with the the big announcement that we have going on next week uh which i hope you guys are all excited about and we will reveal when the time comes but um, essentially we're going to be having these end of decade discussions so we've kind of pushing this out there and we hope that you all will listen join us uh share the news with your friends once it drops and uh, listen to the new disco elysium podcast is there anything else i'm forgetting folks Thank have a happy thanksgiving yeah have a happy all right thanksgiving. that's been bad end <laughs> hey guys happy, happy thanksgiving <laughs> just kidding um, I think we're I think we're gonna put out enough content in the next month and a half that you can successfully block out your racist relatives over multiple holiday dinners. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if someone's like yeah. really amping up the both sides argument, you can just crank. You gotta put any that AirPod in. You, you put your hair over it if you have a little bit of long hair with like me or like even like I don't know. Josh, you kind of have a little bit long hair. Now your hair's like a little short on the sides now. But you know, you can theoretically cover your ears with your hair, maybe maybe just non stop. You know, yeah. just nonstop mm-hmm. bad end through your AirPods that are very concealed. Yeah. Good work. Um, let's talk about some video games. I uh, I know, Katie, you've been playing some Pokemon. Um, and I, I want to real quick wrap up some of the Death Stranding conversation that we had last week because I did complete the game. This man. And, uh, this is crazy to me. I, I'm a gamer. I, think Josh, I, I literally think you're only... Mega gamer. Yeah, this like th- this used to be my crown, but Josh has like really fucking claimed it. Just like tearing just through games, tearing through them, like just it's like they're fucking non-stop. like uh, what are those? Um, it's like the uh, fuck the cheese fix checks mix that you get at the grocery store. Like to you're going on fair, a road trip, just chomping on. To it. be fair to myself, I have not really played video games since beating Death Stranding. <laughs> <laughs> I've basically only been playing guitar. Uh, which we also talked oh. about last week, and I'm like getting better. Ooh. I'm getting better, guys. I'm excited. You gotta be good. on. The, you're gonna be on stage soon, just performing <sighs> Death Stranding so covers of that low roar band. I've been. Oh God. <laughs> Wait, I have a. This, this is a games related thing that's not just like Josh plays guitar moment. Um, do you guys know who Niles Rogers is? Yeah. No. Like he's like the great uh, funk guitarist. Greg Funk guitarist. Uh, he played like the the riff on Get Lucky. The dun, 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 dun. Uh, okay, okay. His whole thing is like, um, like if you want a guitarist to come play on your album live and play the same thing exactly perfect for like 12 hours, like you call Niles Rogers. But also he like wrote songs for like every major recording artist of the past like 40 years, like Madonna, mm-hmm. Britney Spears, like everybody he's written songs for. Um, but anyways... Niles Rogers, also big known gamer. He like wrote the Halo soundtrack. 
So that, that da, 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 are you da, da, serious? Da, yeah, that's Niles Rogers. <laughs> There's like videos of him in the recording studio, like just being Niles Rogers, like playing How the and then like continues to do it. Like I think he worked up through Reach, maybe. Like I don't know if he worked on the most recent ones, but mm. like dude is like a fucking huge gamer and like also writes songs for Madonna. Um, but it's just like loves Halo. And wrote all the Halo soundtrack. So Niles Rogers, go on bad end. Go on bad <laughs> end. Oh my god, that's gonna be our blast guest for the decade. God, yeah. that'd be amazing. Yeah. Anyways, guitar, video games, um, and playing a lot of video games. Yeah, um, Death Stranding, I think was was it really? But um, I want to say no spoilers. No spoilers here. I'll just talk about my general thoughts the ending of this game slaps majorly that's what um, i've heard i've opinion. heard it's a good ending like i've heard it's just like it yeah, really comes together end. it's not a bad end not a bad end um it could have been a bad end it a lot of things pointed toward it maybe going in that direction but it's freaking awesome man like there's a lot of cutscenes. There's some yeah, baby. really unexpected formatting stuff with how stuff goes. There's some twists and turns for you in there. There's some great acting. And I think the main thing that I want to say is that we have a conversation a lot about can a game make you cry? And, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's funny because like you always think, well, you know, how is it going to do that? Like, an animal dies that I liked, like Marley and me style, old yeller <laughs> style. That you know that happened with like uh, Shadow of the Colossus, for instance. That's that was pr- the previous closest I ever got to shedding a tear in video games when that happened. Maybe wait, where when the mo- when a monster died or like at the end of that game? The end. The horse. Oh, I was like, what are you talking about? Okay, it came yeah, back to dude. me. All right, sure. I grow. Um, <laughs> I was so sad. And then the other time, simple and clean, Kingdom Hearts one. Dude, the <laughs> end of actually the end of Kingdom Hearts two. Sora, the end of Kingdom Hearts two is what gets me. Not as is, much when Sora and what's her name, Kyrie, Kyrie. the islands separate, and they're like, oh no, that was sad. But bittersweet, but Utare Hikaru, holy shit, amazing. Anyway, new moment just overtook both of those for me. I, I cannot believe that Kojima has made you cry. It, I didn't cry. I didn't cry. I don't like. It's hard to get me to cry. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but I got emotional. Mm, there was something happening in my tear ducts that didn't it didn't i feel like crying is the threshold is when the tears go out of your eyes <laughs> you know you would say that you so, teared yeah. up but you didn't I cry tears in my eyes but you could blink them away and it's like they never get down there they never pass that water line they're just hanging they out. welled up they welled yeah. up and i was just like this is so fucking beautiful. And you know what did it? And it's not, it wasn't the writing. It wasn't necessarily what the 
the moment or what was happening, but it was the acting. It was the fucking acting, man. Mads Mikkelsen, just one of the, these people in this game are delivering some of the finest video game performances I've ever seen. And it's like, it answers the question. Maybe the first question we need to answer is what if video game characters could fucking act? (laughs) <laughs> nobody's ever asked that before uh, that's very true though like i feel like i'm trying to think of like good video game performances like voice acting and it's like i guess the two people in last of us like they're both pretty good <laughs> as in i like bought those scenes in their conversations and whatnot but like mostly it's just not not good the like coach in left for dead the acting in this game is better than the acting in telling lies. <laughs> oh my god! Except I mean, for that one girl. No, Carrie Bechet is really good in telling lies. Like she has that one scene with the dollhouse, and that is she scene the is just person? like no, no. She's the wife, the nurse. No, who's also the only wife. good person was the wife. Well, I miss. Actually, I missed the telling lies episode. I couldn't fucking go off on how bad that game was, but it's not bad. But it is forgettable. So, I already forgot about so it. Bad. So I. Whoa, I dropped something. I can't wait for our end of the year stuff because there's so many. Oh shit, that came out. Like I'm, I'm seeing one. I'm like, oh my god, that came out. Oh, I'm doing my game of the year discussions at work right now, and I'm like, that was 2019. (laughs) And just like also looking at the like not stuff that's on our list, but looking at stuff on the release calendar. Like, oh, Anthem came out in 2019. Anthem came out, and it didn't come out in like January. It came out in like March or something. So it was like a bit into the year. Anyway, Josh, what were you saying? About acting. About acting oh. and crying. You were having emotions no, over did. there? Yeah, I was having emotions and I I felt emotional and it was based on the acting. And I it's interesting because like this is still largely unexplored territory with stuff like this, you know? When you never get Mads Mickelson like giving it his all in a video game. And that's the other thing, like Kojima for like for everything bad that people say about him and shit. And everything great that people say about him, um, on the other hand, the dude is like actually friends with these people and he like gets them to to commit, which, you know, we're not talking Peter Dinklage and Destiny speaking of Anthem here. We're, we're talking about like Norman Reedus actually committing to this shit. Con- I almost spoiled something there. I think that that was like Ooh. on his show, the Conan O'Brien. Oh thing. yeah, Conan's in there. Yeah, Conan I just O'Brien. I found him a bit ago. Conan seemed Conan like he was having fun with that. He did, he did, but yeah. at the same time, like it's a fun character. Um, yeah, gave me an otter hat. <laughs> he gave you an otter hat. I don't really get how that thing works. By the way, I, I didn't. Yeah, feel any I difference. don't. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know if I had to equip it or what. I don't. I just don't understand it. But you do have to qu- equip it. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know. Because I fell in a river and it was like a whole thing where I was like trying to get all my shit back. So I was like, I need this Mm -hmm. to make this delivery. So I like had to fall down a river to get my stuff back. And then I made a zip line to get to this other area because luckily there's a zip line thing on the other end. And I was like, oh, this makes my life so much easier. Uh, Yeah. And I gave a lot of likes because the other person built that. I was going to ask Josh if you got like, you started crying because you like crested 10,000 likes on some bridge and you were like, the world is beautiful. (laughs) I mean, honestly, though, those moments are like, there's like moments of just like real hardship. And then you like, you see a bridge 
over a giant gap and you're like, oh God, I don't have the resources. And this person built this bridge. This person went out of their way to like lug fucking metal out here to fucking yeah. build this. And it's like, thank you so much. Like it's, yeah. it, it really hits deep, you know? Something comes in handy and you're like, people are so good. People are so nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I try to do it where I can't. I try to build roads. I, like every time I see like a road thing, and it's not built. I like, OK, I'm going to get some stuff from my my camp area or like an area and I'm going to bring it back and I deposit it all, build the road. And I get I log on later and I get like 10,000 likes and I'm like, cool. Someone loves me. And that's all I do. <laughs> you think about I'm, I'm I'm just going here. I'm going with it. But if you think about how. We talked about this a bit on last uh, episode, Kyle, but how games condense, you know, labor, practice, effort, work yeah. into they compress it into something small. Death Stranding is no different. But what's nice about it is that the benefits are not just like gold that you're getting. It's that you know that the moment that you have when you find that someone built a bridge in your game, you know that you did that for someone else. And that they're benefiting from this compressed work that you did. And it makes you feel good. It's like it, it, you, you like knowing that you helped someone else out. And it's not a feeling that you really get that often in video games. And it does hit. It hits in, in a way that's not you don't even have to think about it. It's like it's in some like weird part of your brain, you're like, this feels good. Like I helped someone here. I'm like creating something. And what's cool too is you get to see it working at a macro level where like all of these people are working together to like quote rebuild America to like make this place better. And it's becoming better right in front of your eyes. And it's just, it's beautiful. Um, but even then, <laughs> seeing Mads Mickelson <laughs> act. <laughs> had a, a larger impact on me which is saying a lot because it's a video game and you're not used to, to having an emotional response from seeing video game characters i think like there's a couple things going on just to, to cap this whole thing off which is like first i think you already give so many video game characters the benefit of the doubt when it comes to acting and writing and shit like that where you're like you're, you suspend your disbelief to such a large extent because it's a video game and you're already doing that to begin with that when you see an, a video game actor that's actually good, it's like, whoa, like this is affecting me. And then second of all, um, I feel like there's like a hyper reality sort of thing going on here where it's like, I, I, I can't really delve into it that deeply because I haven't really taken time to sort out my thoughts on it. But the aspect of like it blurring the line between video game and reality and like what these people can do and can't do and how you know them in real life, but you're seeing a virtual character that your brain is like filling in the gaps between those things. And like there's some goodwill that get goes into your brain as a result of the fact that they like overcame the uncanny valley to a large extent in this game. I never felt super uncanny valley-ish in this game. Yeah, I, I think the faces think. like look pretty good, but like it doesn't look like creepy weird. I'm trying to think of like a game that would be like very uncanny. 
I feel like Until Dawn has like an uncanniness to it oh, a little oh, bit yeah. with its like facial, LA like the Noir. eyes. Oh, it's Noir for sure. Uh, there's like different, like I feel like a lot of games there's a that. New one, Man of Med- Medan, Medin. Um, the new yeah. like Until Dawn game. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, like right, that right. studio, like there's something about the eyes, I think, that's just like off. I don't know. Um, but I'd say, yeah, like, yeah. I'd say, like, Detroit was pretty okay, though. I think the, like, face face stuff, like, lo- it looked good, but not creepy good. Um, mm-hmm. I also say, like, the new Call of Duty was pretty good, like, the campaign style. They have, like, a lot of, like, cutscenes of people close up in your face, and the people just look good. I don't know. They look like real people. You see their pores and shit. Like, one thing I find really funny about the loading screen for Death Stranding is, like, it's, like, a close-up of Norman Reedus's face, but you can see, like, his pores and, like, his blemishes on his nose. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that's how you know it's fucking real. Like, and they that have blemish. Reedus, like, fucking scraggly dude. They get those, yeah. like, they have those hairs on his cheek. Yeah. That like it's, like, the, stray. like, not quite. Yeah. It's, it, it's great. Most people Wait, shave a, it. I have a question hairs. about the ending, Josh. Yeah. Which is that, do you think it's a sort of ending that, like, it successfully executes or delivers on a lot of the stuff that Death Stranding is like waffling with throughout the runtime? Or is it like as an ending, it is a kind of like a single good event that's like a good cap to the whole experience, but isn't necessarily like resolving all the stuff that the game seems to be working with? Great question, Kyle. Great question. Thanks, um, Josh. I think it does. It does. I think it resolves everything like impressively well really um it's not the kind of thing where it's like you know how people with mass effect 3 how it was like they didn't take all of my decisions in the game into consideration and throw it back in my face in a way that is like so massive that i fell out of my seat you know yeah you know people had that response this game doesn't really do that either where it's like doing everything throwing it back at you but it does uh, bring up a lot of the systems. It ties them all together really nicely. I think um, story-wise, it does some really nutty, unpredictable shit. I think a lot of the twists are like really well done when it comes to like what it says and how it like reflects on what the game has been telling you this whole time because it keeps you in the dark for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's dope. And it's not like super... Uh, it's not like the easiest thing to understand. It's not like super obvious, you know, but in a good way. I'm excited to play because I feel like the story has not engaged me at all so far. Like I've just been kind of like whatever with it. Like if a long cutscene's oh. on, I'm usually on my phone texting. So I'm like, I just don't, <laughs> I don't know. I I'm just like, into it. I, like, I think I was I'm into, into it, it in the very beginning, but I feel like as it's waned on. I'm not as invested in the story. Like, I'm more like, just like, fucking let me go make deliveries. Like, what am I getting out of this? What's my new ability? Like, just tell me. And there's like that boss fight in chapter four that was just really fucking bad. Like, that boss fight sucks. The scene's really cool itself to not spoil it for people. It picks up again. It picks up again for like the last six hours of the game, you know? Like, okay. it's not just like... Well, it's good to know that I'm, like, over halfway. I thought I still had, like, two-thirds to go at least, but... No, you, you're you pretty far in. Nice. Um, nice. One last thing before we wrap this. There's a motorcycle that you can get. It's a collectible secret, uh, and it's Oh, the, I think I have this. It's the trike, the reverse trike, mm-hmm. but the ride edition. Yeah. 
and Ride is <laughs> the new show. It's, it's Ride the is show. the new show. It's not even new. It's been on for years. It's like the oh. it's getting its like fifth season next year. Oh shit! Then yeah. Thank God this is in this game because I had literally never heard of this shit. Same. But, um, Same. Ride with Norman Reedus on AMC. Uh, it's brand. The bike is branded with that. And when Norman Reedus is riding it, he'll be like, fuck, this is awesome. And he'll be like, this reminds me of like Ride with Norman Reedus on AMC. No. Does riding. he really say that? So I haven't is, built this it. This is when you I'm say like, like so dude, I'm this so is excited. When you're like, Koji I can't wait to build it. These people. Like we say yeah. he's friends with these people. It's like, under what conditions is he friends with these people? It's like, he'll get Norman Reedus to act in a video game if Norman Reedus gets to like pimp his show for like the whole thing. Okay, but think about like, I, you know what? Maybe Hideo Kojima sees himself as Sam Porter Bridges, connecting people. Oh my god! Creating beautiful works, and yeah. I'm just thinking of like sure. I just think these people Make Norman Reedus take an audible shit in your video game if you're not friends with the guy to an extent. I'm just trying to imagine like Mads Mikkelsen sitting down to play Death Stranding, you know? I imagine that stuff a lot. I don't <laughs> think it happens. I think about it all the time. Leia, Leia Sado, Lisa Do. She's pretty Sado. good. She, but I'm like, but like these people have game. other shit going on that's her, not gonna make them have the time to play like an 80 hour UPS yeah, simulator. Her plot's like know? the only interesting plot for me so far. Fragile. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would love to get a Death Stranding actor on this show. I feel like it'll happen. Right, let's get Leia say no. <laughs> She'll God, love it. That would be so she amazing. loves podcasting. She has a lot to do say about games. I'm sure. Well, maybe Junji. Because Brave Junji? Oh, it's man, true. yeah. But he Junji only speaks Japanese, connect. so we'd have to have a translator. It's a whole thing. It's a whole Easy. way more complicated. I'll learn Japanese. <laughs> Easy. Let's just all learn conversational <laughs> Japanese. And then we'll publish it in Japanese, and our listeners Easy. just have to learn Japanese also, you know? Easy. <laughs> Tough luck. That would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you. Death Stranding. Cool game. <laughs> it's a video game. I'm, when uh, I'm done recording this, I'm going to play more of it immediately, literally. Good shit. That's my plan for tonight because I have nothing to do. I got a list of shit here I want to talk about or bring up to you guys. Do I it. want to talk about Half-Life Alex. Mm-hmm. That's what the Alex with a Y. Mm-hmm. Valve announced a new video game and yeah. it's a VR game set in the Half-Life universe. Are you... Is this you trying to vindicate yourself from that one time when we said Valve has name recognition and then oh. you were like <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean I, I could I could cash in on that moment right now, but I mm. won't. Um, <laughs> play back the clip. <laughs> it was play weird. So I mean like it's like a new Ostensibly, like I think they said, like forty to sixty hour. Or they 20 said it. To 30, they said it's like the same length as Half Life Two, which was a long game. Yeah, the same length as Half Life Two. Yeah. Yeah. This Holy is a real ass VR video game by Valve. They're like fully making. <gasps> Reese Darby's making in a it. Game. I'm very excited about Reese Darby being in it. I love him. There's also like um. He's the best. I love Fire Puckards and I love Reese Darby. That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But they, it's weird. So people, they announced this game. I guess people kind of lost their shit. But also the reaction I felt like was pretty positive. Like despite it being VR exclusive, everyone seemed excited about it. Um, yeah, that's been weird I because also, I feel like everyone complains about VR only games. And everyone's like pumped for this. And I'm like, okay. Like, is I everyone know. pumped? Because I, I feel like know. a lot of people were pretty pissed about it being VR exclusive. And I feel like also it didn't get that much hype for, you know, a new Half-Life game, which this was like the great know, It was like whale. dominating all last week, I feel like. Like ever since the news first leaked and then they like were like, yeah, we're going to reveal it this day. And then the trailer came out and everyone was like, well, it's actually like sick because it does. I thought the trailer was good. It looks, like, pretty it looks really dope. good. Yeah, it does look dope. I have an Oculus, so I'm excited. I, I got that quest anything. with the Oculus Link now. The quest oh, with yeah, the Oculus the Link quest. is the way. Dude, I might the do Oculus that. Link. But it's so expensive. It's so good. Maybe I should put that on a Christmas That's wish list. That's a Christmas list. list item right there. I'll just like tell all my family to come together because like I usually don't get that much for Christmas. I'd be like, can you all just pull your resources together and just give me a quest? Thank you. But yeah. I doubt it. Um, it's too expensive. <laughs> but it's weird because it's like it. I was surprised how like ambivalent I was as like a noted Half Life fan, VR early adopter fan. Um, I was like, cool, and it was hard to tell if I was like responding to the like the announcement itself, or it's just like me getting older as a person who plays video games, and it was just like. Okay, like if some like I can't think of something that someone would announce and me be like fucking crazy about it besides like a new Animal Crossing, which they already did. Um, I don't know. Like I was I was like surprised to see kind of like a lot of people when the, like like Katie was saying, kind of the news cycle be dominated by this thing and people were so excited. And I saw it and I was like, oh, neat. Yeah. Your good job. Your libido like, has really gone down. I'm, I. Yeah. I feel like this. I feel the same way about this game where I was like. Maybe I should feel more excited. Am I dead inside? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what's this? Is fucking Half Life? Like, do I even love video games anymore? Life game, and I don't. But you know, and you know, this happens a lot to me recently with video games. Where even like with Death Stranding, I was like, okay, I do this thing intentionally, which I've said on the show, which is when I hear about a game, I forget about it until it comes out. That's what I want to do because I hate fucking hype cycles and shit. But when the reviews start coming out and they're like, this is a generationally significant blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, there's people out there who I don't really trust with that. But even th when they say that shit, I'm like, maybe I want, maybe I'm excited. And I think with a game like that, with something that like I expect to be pretty good and to enjoy when it gets that kind of praise, I'm like, you got, then you got my attention. Cause that's real. That's something that's coming soon. And I am ready for that to be inside of my body. Like uh, <laughs> breath of the wild was that. Oh yeah, for sure. I was like, okay, a new Zelda game. That'll be cool. And then everyone was like this is actually like the best fucking game ever made and i was like excuse me <laughs> that's cool and then i, feel I played like this it like, and i was like what the fuck uh, oh, oh like yeah dovetails. so i have a i have a controversial thing so like 2017 our game of the year was near automata right mm -hmm. disappointingly think, but yes i think it should have been breath of the wild in Damn retrospect right, Katie. 
I'm like, come Damn on. I'm right. I think that game has flaws. I don't think it's a good Zelda game. I do think it's a groundbreaking video game in general. But for like what I look for for Zelda games, doesn't have that shit, doesn't have cool dungeons, doesn't have cool bosses, you know, that type of thing. But in retrospect, I've like sat on this for like, I guess, a few months. But I'm like, man, I feel like Breath of the Wild's the better game. You know? I'll have to like re-listen to that episode or something because... I, you're right. I think you're right. Actually, yeah. We I think we were wrong. I love near near Tama is great. Like one of the best games of the decade for sure. But I think like when I'm thinking like holistically, like about a game, Breath of the Wild probably takes the cake. And you know? I just feel like nothing is like nothing is going to touch like Breath of the Wild is on just a different plane of existence. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's like, and it's like a weird thing. Like, I, I, I don't have any desire to like go back and play it again or anything. Like, I played my fill of it. I had a great time with it. I had some quips, like early, you know, quibbles. I guess is the word. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like in retrospect, I'm like, fuck. Maybe we were wrong. Maybe I was wrong. Because Nier Tom was like my game of the year that year. I was like, <laughs> why was Breath? Of- I think Breath of the Wild was like at seven on my list. I was like, what was I thinking? Like, what was going through my head? Was I trying to be contrarian in some way? Was I just so hung up on the fact that I didn't like the shrines? That's probably what what it was, honestly. Because I didn't like the shrines too much. Uh, I just want a more environment difference. But yeah, like, I, because I've been thinking about a lot with playing Death Stranding, right? Like, I think those games are very similar with, like, traversal and, like, how you explore that open world. Like, I get, like, a similar, like, quiet, chill vibe that's also, like, meditative. I don't know. Uh, and like with how much I'm liking Death Stranding, I'm like, damn, like maybe Breath wa- Breath of the Wild was better than I gave it credit for, you know? <laughs> Which it feels dumb of like, in 2019 to say. <laughs> I've been listening to some podcasts recently that's kind of put me on my new pet peeve of like games journalism stuff, which is the, I mean, the classic, you know, flawed masterpiece, um, like Levy, or it's always like every headline is like a great thing marked with you know, a few bad, like it's always a sort of like, it's a sort of like middle ground opinionating, which is like, or opinion creating. That's like, it's really good, but it's got all these other things wrong. So we kind of like about that too. It extends to great games too. Okay. Yeah. So this is, this is the thing. So this is my, my point is that I feel like every fucking video game review I read now has this sort of line. And I was listening to this podcast where I remember people I remember the people on this podcast talking about this game that I won't mention like, you know, eight podcasts ago and like just fucking railing it in the podcast and being like, yeah, it's really good. But it's got all these issues and, 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 uh, and then like, you know, fast forward to this most recent episode and they're like, yeah, you know, we really liked that game. And it was like, fucker, what? Like you were having this line last time that put me as someone who was interested in buying something like this on the fence about this game only for you to retroactively then say it was a great game. It's like, why can't you just say that in the moment instead of trying to like couch this opinion and all these like positive and negative balances? Cause it just makes everything sound like it's mediocre. And then when it comes time for the reckoning, it's like, Oh, you know what? That was actually a pretty good game. And I was being a dickhead about all the negative things about it. Sorry, audience. I've been enjoying this for six months while you skipped it because you thought I said it was bad. And that's like, I just feel like it happens all the time now where I'm seeing like critical reexaminations of things. Like, I think, I think another ex- great example of this, just to stay on this fucking tangent is like when the original, well, sorry, when the new 
reboot of Devil May Cry came out, just DMC. Oh, right. People were so on the fence about that and just fucking hated it. It were like sounded like they hated it. And then like fast forward two years like, and all those people who were saying that are like, yeah, that was a really great reinvention of the franchise and we're excited. And this is what we compare this game against now. And it's like, where was this when this was happening? Because it's like, again, like as someone who wants to engage with this stuff, I'm waiting for someone to say something is good to engage with it. But because they're always couching in all this like negative baggage, it seems like people are just playing these games and I'm like skipping the shit that I should be playing because everyone sounds like they just hate everything all the time. Yeah, I, that's what, that's the flip side of that is, again, what I'm saying is like um, the games, I feel like everything in video game crit kind of gravitates toward that, like, we have to say good things about it and we have to say bad things about it, which is like the flawed masterpiece thing, where it's like with Disco Elysium, it's like no flaw about that game matters in my yeah. opinion. Right, like, right. You yeah. should fucking play it regardless of if there are any issues with it whatsoever like if you lost a save or whatever like you should fucking still play that shit because it's generationally great game um but it has this like extreme flattening effect you're right kyle and i think people and i I don't i don't know if this is changing i want to say it's changed but people focus too much on the technical um people care too much about whether there's a bug that's annoying or whether the graphics look good and that's such an old school way of reviewing video games but i don't think it's really applicable anymore like there's so many more important things about the way that we absorb video games and what makes them matter to us that it just feels like a dated way of measuring them unless the game is like unplayably bad but then again fucking people love skyrim and that shit's broken as hell like, well, I think it's the thing too, is that the stuff that like that specific criticism is a thing that's like people who encounter that and are reporting on it are probably people who got review keys two weeks before launch and there'll be like a patch in three weeks that fix- fixes the issues that they care about. Right. And are we really still going to like Devil May Cry? I feel like people were making fun of the bad writing and acting. It's like, are you really, is that really what you care about in a Devil yeah, May Cry game? Yeah, I feel like no one, game? that's not what you go to a Devil May Cry, Cry game for. You go to it just for action nonsense. Like, exactly. You don't go um, to get like a riveting story about Dante. <laughs> a good, I wanted to segue here, but I feel like we also didn't really talk about Half-Life Alex, right? Uh, I think we did. Are we good with that? I feel like, I mean, there's a, there's a trailer. It looks really cool. I was surprised how I wasn't amazingly excited for it. I think it looks cool. Um, Yeah. I probably won't play it. (laughs) Regarding people, people um, nitpicking at things that don't really matter. Katie played some Pokemon this week. (laughs) Oh yeah. Is it as bad as the the folks say it is uh it's like it's fine i don't like it's just a pokemon game it's just a pokemon game i don't like hate it but i don't love it like i was kind of hoping this would be the one to really get me back into pokemon because i was like it's the big one on switch it's gonna be great uh it's not like it doesn't feel that big of a transition it feels like the graphics are a little better uh animation's a little more flashy sometimes your pokemon get real big if you Dynamax them. Um, but it's it's just fine. I don't know. Like, there's, like, new things they've added that are kind of cool. Like, 
they've really streamlined some of the more annoying aspects like your box so like in the old pokemon games you have to go to the pokemon center and you can access your box there and your box is where you're like extra pokemon that aren't in your party are and you can like switch them out there but in sword and shield what i really like is your box is always with you so if you're just if one of your pokemon dies while you're like out like on a route or like you know grinding battles or something you could just swap out another pokemon in so i kind of like that aspect so i feel like i'm using more pokemon than i usually do Whereas, like, I feel like I used to just kind of, like, stick to, like, one party the whole game. And I'd be like, this is my party. But now I'm kind of, like, swapping Pokemon in and out. And that's kind of a cool aspect of it. Um, there's also a new area called the Wild Area. Which is this, like, on- sort of online area where you can do raids with other players. Uh, and the- you see Pokemon, like, walking around any- everywhere. And you see other players, too, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, but you can't interact with them. It's, like, very strange. It's a very strange thing. Uh, but... It's the online stuff is still broken as Nintendo games always are fucking broken in the online department. Uh, so that's been like a weird annoyance in playing it. Of like, I, I want to like pair up with my friends, but it's such a fucking hassle. Just like figure out how to do it. It's like, why can't I just invite for my friends list? It's, so, it's like always just like so many hoops you have to jump through. And I'm like, why can't it be a simple me clicking on my friend that's online? Uh, but I earned that. I don't know. It's just fine. It's like a fine Pokemon game. I'm almost done already, uh, which I feel like most people beat it like super fast or beat the to the Elite Four. Uh, the story's dumb, but the story's always dumb. The one thing is kind of annoying or kind of a bummer is the art direction isn't super amazing. I was like really excited because it's like set in Britain. I was like, oh, or a Britain like area, Galar. Uh, and I was like, oh, it's going to be like really cute art style environments and stuff, really cute towns. And it's just like pretty boring looking everywhere. Uh, so that's <laughs> been kind of a bummer. But I don't know. It's been weird. It's like I'm not like crazy disappointed because I'm still enjoying it. I'm still playing it. And they I feel like they've like nipped in areas where they need to to make it like your XP share is just always on. Like there's no item you have to equip or anything now like the box things like there's stuff they made that make pokemon better you see the effectiveness of moves which i really like like there's stuff they've like really improved but it's just kind of like eh, it's whatever and the fact that there's only 400 pokemon it's kind of like wow just i get it i get why people are mad like i totally understand i think it's stupid how mad like people are like way elevated but it is a bummer. There's only 400. There's like no, and it feels like like I think my boss said this in our Slack, but she said it feels like they kind of like drew him from a hat because there's some random ass Pokemon in here that don't make any sense. I'm like, who the fuck asked for this guy? Like, where's like any of the start? Like all the starters are gone. Like there's like no start. Like Bulbasaur's not in this. Squirtle's not in this. I think Charmander is because Charizard is in this. But it's like all of like the Pokemon in here are just like fucking weird. It's just like doesn't make any sense. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just they just I have a question for you, Katie. dumped it out and just picked picked it up from the floor. What? <laughs> um what is Pokemon? Like, not like it's about battling monsters, because one thing I think is it's been interesting watching this Pokemon game is that like a lot of other games that are trying to be similar games are doing similar stuff better, but like, I don't really understand what Pokemon is supposed to be at this point. Like, is it, 
are people mad because what Pokemon is is like the nostalgia? Because like other games Ooh. do collectible characters, other games do turn-based battles, other games do like cute like th- characters. Like I don't. It's hard for me to understand like what like what is Pokemon actually to people, and and, and what is it in a way that also makes other things that try to be it not be what it. What makes it good is which a video is why game. I land on like nostalgia. Well, I not even that because I, I don't think, think it's, it's good as a video game. I think it's like because I think other games that are trying to do it. I think about like the Stardew Valley to like Harvest Moon. Like clearly, Stardew Valley is like an off-brand Harvest Moon esque thing, and like it succeeds on its own merits. But there's nothing like that for Pokemon. Besides maybe like some Digimon stuff from back in the day, but like there's no comparable thing. And I don't think that's for people lack of trying. Like, I, I don't know what the, I think it's like just like the marketing, the nostalgia is like what makes that thing have power because all of the component elements like aren't like that compelling. I feel like I, mean, I don't. I feel like what makes Pokemon resonate with people is it's, it's like a party based turn based RPG. But like you, it, there's like a lot of custom customization that comes in your party, like different like move sets you can like hook on your Pokemon. There's different like strengths and like basically like every Pokemon you get to, it's kind of like a a card game almost. Like they all have different attributes. Like this Pokemon might have really high speed that you caught, but this other one that you caught the same type has like this different trait. So there's like a lot of it's like surprisingly deep for being a kids game, and I think that's what's kept it popular over the years it's it's not, well i mean I theoretically it is a kids anymore. game i don't know it's like theoretically it's, i feel like maybe the story is the kids game and then the end game is where the adults can keep playing and get I competitive and the- have a theory oh you know you know there's something that i used to call back in the day that this is i'm sorry everyone in advance that i used to call like the disney feeling where there's some like feeling in your soul that like watching something disney like evoked in you as like a kid something had to do with maybe like imagination uh creativity something in your brain that triggered and when you went to like that magic you know like when you went to disneyland and it was like this is like a real fucking place of my fantasies and stuff that feeling that you got i feel like there was a pokemon feeling too that was like that I had as a kid. I don't know if you all had that, but where I would, you know, watch Pokemon as a show and it was more than, you know, and playing the game was like, it was more than playing the video game or watching a TV show. It was like going to this imagination space where you could talk to like these new and like cute, cool animals that wanted to be your friend. I think like as a child collecting friends that are like, these cartoon characters is just like a really neat little fantasy and that they'll like be on your side and fight for you. Like if you had a fucking dog that was like your friend that you could talk to or that would like interact with you and could understand what you're saying and like it would do what you told it to. Like that's something that is dope to kids. Like detached from context like or literal, what that might literal say. dope. <laughs> like detached from what that might say about society or people, you know, whatever. Um, as a kid, like that is a fantasy that I think hit a lot of people very strongly, including me. And again, I think there are a lot of people for whom that feeling persists 
even as adults. I think that's why there's still so many like Disney fans and shit. I think it's why people still love the shit out of Pokemon. Like I have family members who do. I know adults who are still into it for the I have to imagine for this reason. And that's not necessarily nostalgia if that feeling persists for them. Um, maybe they still have a connection to that like feeling that it gave them when they were kids. But I think that's what it is. And I think that's what Pokemon still gets by on, even though the character designs might not be as great. Basically, all you have to do is what? Like, just... They're so good. I oh, feel I like they've been consistent. The po- I thought you were saying that the Pokemon weren't great. No, 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 no. It's like the... I don't know what, but like the, uh, I, I feel like my argument is more that it's the, po- like the s- playing Pokemon has not really progressed in any meaningful way. It's like the, it's basically the same game as it was on the Game Boy for better or worse. Like, I, I feel like it, it's always had the depth that needs to succeed. I think the thing that's held it back is it hasn't evolved enough with how like turn-based RPGs have like progressed. Like I'm uh, like to put it with another turn-based RPG, like Shimagami Tensei. I think those games, like they got their start being like brutally difficult, like very, like also very deep RPGs because they also are collectathons. Like you're collecting demons or whatever for your things to summon in battle. But, uh, like, as they've gone on, like, I think, like, as we've gotten, like, into the Persona subseries and, like, their, like, later games, they've gotten kind of easier with time because they're kind of, like, adapting. Like, oh, like, by making these games so hard, they don't really appeal to a wide audience. So they need to, like, kind of, like, not dumb down the difficulty, but make it more, like, multifaceted. So people, like, more, t- like, sorts of people can play those games and have a good time with them. If that makes sense. I, I, was, that, like, I was talking more about, like, what, I, I remember when you had said something about like it felt like they were pulled out of a hat or something like what are they like how they're random or something like that oh i meant like the the pokemon they've chosen for this game are bonkers because it's like the, not not the new pokemon i'm talking specifically like the pokemon mm. they chose to represent in this game because their big thing is like or what game freak says like obviously it's like way like would take way more time to render every game with this new engine that they have But their thing is like, so we only have like four, it's like 400-ish Pokemon and like 90 90 or 80 of those are new Pokemon. Those are, I think those are all pretty fun and cute. But like the Pokemon they've chosen from the old generations just don't make any sense. Like there's like, they did not go with like the fan favorites or anything. It's just like, it literally feels like they pulled them out of a hat. It's just like very strange, the ones they picked to bring forward. Well, I guess the point stands... Maybe even better if the character designs are still good, um, because I'm just I just don't know why like why can't someone like if someone was just to make a game that looks, feels, smells, and tastes like Pokemon, why would that not succeed the way Pokemon does? I think Pokemon's it ha- cuter. Or would it? <laughs> I think it has. Just, and and it is nostalgia. Like it's also nostalgia. Um, like Yokai Watch, dude. Yo-Kai, Yo-Kai Watch. Watch already failed, though. Yo-Kai That's Watch the, is like, like a Yo-Kai thing. Yo-Kai didn't do well. But Yo-Kai I mean, was not big in Japan for like five years. Not internationally, but, but yeah. But Yo-Kai already died in Japan. It was like a fad for like five years. And then it's like yeah. not no one talks about it anymore. Like same with Digimon to an extent. Digimon's also definitely hung around longer and it still has a huge subset of fans. People really love those Cyber Sleuth games. Those are like the recent RPGs they've done. But... Yu-Gi-Oh, dude. <laughs> 
I miss, I guess it's just like maybe it's just card games. <laughs> it's like Slay the Spire is actually the best modern Pokemon game. Eh, that's not that's not really a take. That's, that's not that's not a real take. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm wondering like is that I mean, Katie, you mentioned that it was like it plays like a card game. It's I know, yeah, like I feel like game. to me that's kind of like the closest similarity to the Pokemon structure is like deck building games. Like they're like about collecting things, but also everything has different stats and attributes, and you have to like. Well, it's kind for of what that. I'm thinking is like maybe build your deck when you're going into a battle. Basically, it's like very similar, but not quite. It's so like, like definitely su- different. Which is like the successful Pokemon games are like Hearthstone. <laughs> it's like because it's it's in some ways built off that model of like Pokemon's battle in terms of how it plays cards. But I don't think going that's what it's about. I don't think it's about the combat system or the way that this shit works. I think it's about the fact that you had you know Pokemon, which was an anime on tv at the same time that it was a video game where it was this like multimedia two-pronged thing where like you had this fantasy building up in kids heads that would wake up at 7 30 a.m to watch this show before school i did or 6 a.m or whatever to watch the show before school and then you'd go to school and then you play the video game and you're imagining all this stuff because oh i saw that on the tv show and it, this is what's happening and your imagination fills in the blanks like i think that's still kind of what, what's happening with people here like maybe if anything i would compare it to like an overwatch or something where there's like stuff going on in both realms you know i think that's what like the whole multimedia storytelling into video game stuff maybe even league of legends where these things are happening you know, like in parallel and the stuff that happens outside of the game kind of enriches the game's world, fills in those blanks, I, yeah, and brings it to I life. Just, I wonder, like, if I wonder if it's like the people who play Pokemon are like core fans in the way that people who play Madden are core fans, where it's like they just buy Pokemon games. That's what they play. And then I actually think that it's true that Pokemon is the biggest media franchise in the world. Um, hmm. like it's bigger than anything. Uh, by I think a pretty big margin. I feel like it's if it's not the top, it's like in the top three or something. So then it's like it also just has the hooks of like getting kids involved via like TV shows, whatever plushies, movies. Um, and so it's like you have those hardcore people that a massive media franchise will just always drag along with it. And then the people who aren't like I think about a similar thing as like Harry Potter. Like, I feel like you have people who will just, like, play and engage with any Harry Potter thing. And you have the people who kind of miss the boat or, like, just stopped caring and they'll just never care again. And then you have new people who are coming in and, like, finding material. Oh, like, Star Wars is even similar. Like, any, like, big media franchise, as, as someone who gets into it gets older, like, there's kind of, like, a filter about who sticks with it. And I think what feels weird about this Pokemon game is that if the the gap between, like, core fans... And like the middle ground and new people feel so vast between any like specific group where you have like core fan people being on Twitter saying that Game Freak lied. And then you have like middling fans who just buy Pokemon and don't give a fuck. And then you have kids who are in a similar boat. And maybe we should have someone who like loves Pokemon on the podcast because I'm still just like baffled by it. It seems like such a weird thing that like just has this momentum for what seems to me like no good reason anymore besides the fact it is is itself as big I some cousins i the other thing is that like there's something for the whole <laughs> i got some cousins this, the whole like simplicity approachability of pokemon that 
but it's not right. It's like it's this crazy weird battle system that has to do with all these like attacks and defenses. And on, have you looked at an element the, chart? It's not the. Have you looked at an element chart? It's like sixteen by sixteen the, grid so of like. So something they fixed with this one is you. So like now with so you have like your moves right. So you have four moves per Pokemon. Uh, and you're fighting a Pokemon you fought before. You see, like, okay, this one, this move is going to be effect. It says like effective underneath, or like super effective, or not very effective. And then you also have your moves that just like boost you or like lower their stats or whatever. And I feel like but that like, what element average has person made it. knows what leer means, or like they just, there's a description on there. It says it's, it's not like there's no. I was right, able, but it's I like, was able to understand that when I was like. Yeah, like when I was like a kid, I could understand Pokemon. Like, cause no, they dude, have like a, a description just fucking for abilities. With like attack stuff, it's just like it's. But it, but even then, the point is that like it's complicated in the sense that there's like a robust list of stats and like affinities and defenses and attacks that have other attacks that affect those. You're things. not gonna convince me that Pokemon is like unapproachably complex. Like, I think no, no, it's not unapproachable. There, I'm just saying there is the complexity. There's complexity. This is like part of it. What's made it successful, though, it's like very approachable. It's like cute art design. It's like a very easy. Like the main campaign is super easy. Exactly, you can just breeze right through it. And it's like, and then, yeah, then you yeah. get into the real game and the post game, which is like when all the other stuff opens up, like the stadiums and whatever. But like, I think that's like why it's remained successful. Like the anime is still big. Like the anime is definitely still a thing. Like we're old and we don't fucking watch it, obviously, but it's still around. First, Ash is still on that journey. He's still trying to become a Pokemon master. You know what was approachable? Pokemon Stadium was approachable. Pokemon Snap. Pokemon, Pokemon Snap, Snap was approachable. Most approachable Pokemon game, maybe. Bring Probably. that shit back. Pokemon dude. TCG. Dude, why? How have they not done a Pokemon Snap? Everyone wants it. Nintendo just doesn't open world know. Pokemon Snap. Dude, yeah. Just Breath of the Wild, me. but Pokemon Snap. Breath of the Wild has a camera. You can already Pokemon Snap that game. They just need to put actual Pokemon and make you a, a cute trainer you could customize. <laughs> Amazing. Pokemon DLC and just turn Breath yeah, of the Wild into the open world into, game everyone wants. That's, and that's one of the cool things about the new wild area. It's like this new open worldish area. And you see Pokemon walking around. And it's so cool. You know, like I saw Snorlax just kind of like walking around very slowly. And I was like, I probably can't fight him yet. I'm too weak. So I'm just going to walk around him. And then a mime chased me once. Scary as fuck. So scary. It feels like the thing that like, that's what everyone wants, but that everyone is not actually the people who play Pokemon. It's like, I I have a similar conversation with my friends about like, when I talk about comic books and like trades specifically and how like the trades model of comic books, like fucking blows my mind as a person who doesn't want to go to a comic book store every week. It's like, I don't know, just make the writing better and release an issue every six weeks. And comic book people fucking lose their mind when you <laughs> suggest that. And I feel like Pokemon is in a similar position where it's like everyone that doesn't actively really engage with the Pokemon model has this idea about like, oh, yeah, I'll play the new Pokemon that's like an open world thing and it feels different than the thing I played 20 years ago. But then actual people who buy Pokemon games are like, no, fuck you. Like, we don't want that thing. We want this thing that feels the same, that I can use all my same skills. I can port my whole Pokemon over with my global Pokedex. I've been cultivating like a fucking fine wine for 15 years. Like, <laughs> that's the shit that they want. I mean, I feel like the, that was like, that's like my biggest criticism, though, right? Or not criticism of the game, but like I wanted more from this Pokemon game and it didn't 
offer it. And that's like a big disappointment for me as someone that wants to see what a console Pokemon looks like. Like, I like the core formula and I've played like every Pokemon game for some fucking reason, but they usually don't hold my attention for that long. And this one's definitely like, admittedly, like I played like 15, 20, actually, I think I'm over 20 hours at this point. Like I've played a lot of it. So it's definitely more than I played of like Sun and Moon, which I think I dropped after like six hours and like Black and White 2, which I barely touched. And I don't know. It's it's weird. I want more from Pokemon. I think the formula works, but I also think it's like for me, as someone that's played most Pokemon games, I'm bored of it at this point. I want them to do something weird and ballsy. I want them to do something strange. And they have not done it. It's just Pokemon. Give me some Pokemon balls. Yeah. I, well, I, I just want something weird. It's like, Poke- oh, excuse me. I don't know. And they, there's like idea, like the wild area is a cool idea, but they don't capitalize on enough. I don't like how it's like, you can see players riding their bikes around, but you cannot like the ma- the rating system is just fucking whack. It's like a huge bummer. And I just want, I want more out of this Pokemon game, but well, it's also it's weird. Cause there. like the people who like, there's like really robust online communities of people battling Pokemon. Yeah. Like people who want Huge. that, have that through that way and have all Pokemon forever and all time. So what a console game means is that like, I feel like it should be, I mean, from my perspective as someone who again, has not bought a Pokemon game in a long ass time, it's like, give me this game that is an actual evolution of this thing that like feels new and different. And is a reason for me to buy into it in the way that like breath of the wild was to Zelda. I think, although I was definitely a bigger Zelda fan, um, that's like what would get me to play. Like if I want to just battle Pokemon forever and all time, like I can do that in a web browser now, like to my fucking heart's content yeah. and play like competitive and like maybe even make money doing that. Um, but that's not what I care about in a game or that I like got that fix before and I don't want that experience again. And to like bring it back around to my point before with like Shin Megami Tensei and like specifically the Persona series. So like Persona three and four both had like randomly procedurally generated dungeons the battle system was like fine it's like a turn-based you know that type of thing but persona 5 like really overhauled that whole system in a way that i found really great like the dungeons were super engaging and they're like puzzles and it was like really cool and way more exciting from a like art direction perspective and the battle system just like evolves throughout the whole game they sort of system on system but it's never like too much it always feels like you can grasp it pretty easily it's just like a really engaging system and I want Pokemon to evolve its system and it just hasn't done that. And it's just a bummer. And yeah, that's my Pokemon shield top or I'm not, I'm playing shield, not sword, but I guess sword too. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. Wow. Yeah. Pokemon. That was a good Pokemon conversation. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Um, Pokemon. Let's got to catch them all. Wrap maybe. Yeah. Yeah, let's wrap let's it wrap. up. Yeah. After wrap that. It up. Short app this week because we got a, a lot cool of content hour. coming up for you in the coming weeks. But uh thank you again for listening, folks. We are Bad End Podcast. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Bad End Podcast. Uh you can email us at badendpod at gmail.com. Rate us and review us on iTunes and keep an eye out for the stuff coming in soon. We got the Disco Elysium podcast, Savoir Fair. Uh, and we got some big stuff coming in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out and it will be on your radar soon. We'll see you soon. Later. See you guys.